understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hello again, wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. On this week's episode, we're going to check out the full list of the draft names from Raw and SmackDown last Friday and this past Monday. Then, we're also going to run down everything happening tonight on Bound for Glory and look at everything that happened on AEW this past week, including AEW Dark. Episode number two. We'll take a look at NWA Power and send you on your way with a look towards Crown Jewel with also the results of this past Friday's SmackDown and NXT. So thank you again for joining me, whether you're on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or even on YouTube listening to us. I'll be right back after these short messages with an update on all things Ontario Wrestling, including next week's trip to Tilsonburg for Smash Wrestling. Hey wrestling fans, join me each and every Friday on our Facebook or YouTube channel for the production line. I stop by the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory and catch the stars of tomorrow being built today here in London. Tyson's been in business for the last two years, and we've already seen stars come out of the factory such as Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Alec Realm, Jordan James, the Wavemaker, Kyle Boone, the smartest man in wrestling, Michael Grayson, Cyrus Bowman, Rodney Matthews, and Tyson's own son, Ethan Dukes. Many more of the students of the future are seeing their way to the rings in arenas nearby you. You don't want to miss the production line, where you can see the beginnings happening today. On the production line, each and every Friday. Check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory. Located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world. And he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James. Kyle Boone. Violet Lee. Jim Strider. 
Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. And located at 309 Exeter Road, here in London. You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression and fundamentals are being made at the Wrestling Factory. This is Tyson Dukes and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Now let's look at what's happening with Smash Wrestling. Next weekend, they return to action on October 27th in Tilsonburg, Ontario at the Lions Auditorium at the Tilsonburg Community Center. Let's take a look at the action you're going to see on October 27th. Smash Wrestling brings you a triple threat match with three very different yet very exciting competitors that has the makings of a show stealer. Prepare to be entertained as Psycho Mike Rawls, the King of the North, Carter Mason, and the Saturday Night Delight, Tyler Turva, all hit the ring in triple threat action. Then, Two young, hungry competitors square off as Devin Devine takes on Jim Strider. Will Strider continue his meteoric ascent through the ranks of Smash Wrestling, or will Devine bring that momentum to a screeching halt as he looks to carve out his own path in Smash Wrestling? It'll be a battle of the big boys as the devastating dawn of Disgraceland, John Greed takes on the powerhouse son of the wrestling machine, Ethan Dukes. Will Greed's wily veteran skills lead him to victory, or is Ethan Dukes going to show the dawn that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? There'll be tag team action as the exciting fan favorites, physical attraction, Violet Lee and The Muscle, get set to take on the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Halal Beefcake, Idris Abraham, and Joe Coleman. Can Violet Lee manage to keep The Muscle focused on the task at hand, or will the champs continue to dominate the tag team division? Corey Stone isn't one to waste time, as he declared war on the Pillars, his very first night in Smash Wrestling. That war continues October 27th, as he takes on the veteran statesman of the Pillars, the wrestling machine, Tyson Dukes. Will Dukes' unbreakable tenacity make Stone just another brick in the wall of the veteran, or will the Canadian buzzsaw continue to cut through the core of Smash Wrestling? And finally, the main event. It's a tag team attraction as former Smash Wrestling champion Tarek and the endorsement Sebastian Suave take on the devastating duo of Roscoe Black and Smash Wrestling champion the remix Kevin Bennett. Other pillars going to continue to dominate as they have been everywhere they go, or will the champ and his powerhouse partner have some tricks up their sleeve? Find out all this and more on October 27th as Smash Wrestling returns to Tilsonburg, Ontario. We're going to be bringing along a group from London representing the Scumbags Wrestling and the Wrestling Nerds. You'll want to be a part of it too. 
if you have not confirmed with me that you want a ticket to be in the VIP section of the Scumbags, please let me know with a direct message on our Facebook page, and I will look to get you a ticket into the Scumbag section. And if you're in the Tilsonburg area and still haven't got your ticket, do not wait. Tickets are available at the following locations. Anytime Fitness, 678 Broadway Street, The Copper Mug at 79 Broadway, Chrissy's Corner Store, 170 Tilson Ave, and Dave's Variety at 468 James Street in Delhi. Then, on November 8th, Smash Wrestling returns with the Proving Grounds to Brock University at Isaac's Bar in St. Catharines, Ontario. Looking to break into the Smash Wrestling roster, Tyler Hill is ready to take on Carter Mason. Mason is no stranger to the Proving Grounds, fighting his way into his spot and then proving he belongs there again and again. Hill will certainly have to be at least his best to prove himself to the King of the North. Heavyweight Jake Jones doesn't play around, so he's not looking to prove himself against just anyone. He's going right to the top. Jake Jones will face off against Smash Wrestling champion Kevin Bennett at Proving Grounds. Jody Threat has been game for every challenge that has come her way so far. Why would that change now? Viophobia looks to take on Jody at Proving Grounds in St. Catharines. What better way to prove yourself than knocking down one of the pillars? That's just what Tiberius King is looking to do in St. Catharines on November 8th when he takes on the one-man dynasty, Brent Banks. And the final event on the Smash Wrestling calendar sees Smash Wrestling returning to St. Thomas on November 23rd at the Joe Thornton Community Center. Will Psycho Mike Rollins' conscience get the best of him as he squares off against Corey Stone? Get your tickets now for November 23rd. We're also going to be doing a road trip for this event, and so you need to contact me as soon as possible to get in on our group rate. Contact me through our Facebook page and be a part of the Scumbags Wrestling section. Looking at the rest of the independent wrestling calendar, tonight, October 20th, Rose City Riot 4, presented by Crossfire Wrestling, in Welland, Ontario. The Simcoe and District Humane Society presents IPW and Ruffin's Halloween Bash happening in Port Rowan, Ontario, October 20th at 1 p.m. And also, here on Wrestling Entertainment, returns to Wingham, Ontario at 7 p.m. Plus, don't miss Jake the Snake Roberts' Dirty Details Tour happening at Yuck Yucks in Ottawa at 8 p.m. If you're in Sudbury on Tuesday, October 22nd, you won't want to miss Mick Foley's Have a Nice Day Tour live at Tevi Bar and Grill. On October 24th, Mick Foley Have a Nice Day 20th Anniversary Tour live hits Tilsonburg at Sammy Kershaw's. Also on October 24th, Kevin Valley Wrestling presents Inception, their very first event separate from Destiny Wrestling. It's happening at River City Vineyard in Sarnia, Ontario. They are just less than one week away from the debut show Inception, live at the River City Vineyard. Come be a part of history next Thursday, October 24th, with Impact Wrestling star Cody Diener 
taking on Aiden Prince for the Kem Valley Wrestling Championship. And the first ever Kem Valley Wrestling Tag Team Champions will be crowned in a huge triple threat tag team match featuring Desi Hit Squad, Halal Beefcake, and Fighter Flight. against El Reverso. El Reverso, I've heard nothing but great things about you in the ring. You're an experienced veteran, and I love going against wrestlers who aren't only experienced, but can make me better. So I am pumped to be there October 24th for Kem Valley Wrestling for Inception, and it will be electric. Now, let's... Next Thursday, Electric Eli makes his Canadian wrestling debut against El Reverso at Kem Valley Wrestling Inception. He is pumped to roll on over the border to electrify the crowd. Tickets are going fast. Don't miss out on this historic night and get yours now. The good boy Jimbo Jones was in the first ever Battle Royal in Sarnia, but at Inception, he takes on the king of One Night Stand, Jock Sampson. And you've seen him on the production line. Counselor Brian White has had his fair share of highs and lows since becoming a professional wrestler. He contacted Ken Valley Wrestling when they announced their show, and he told them that he's tired of being taken as a gimmick and just wants to fight. He's been training hard at Tyson Duke's Wrestle Factory, and this week... He told us that he wants an opportunity to show Sarnia what he's really capable of in an open challenge against any wrestler at Inception. Who will accept it? Get your tickets now and find out. At their first show, October 24th, Kem Valley Wrestling, Inception. Also on Thursday, October 24th, Superkick Pro Wrestling Rock Show and Training Center presents Zombie Wrestling Chapter 1 happening at the Great Hall in Toronto. Thursday, October 24th, Championship Wrestling from Ontario presents Thursday Night Slam, happening at the Rock Pile in Toronto, Ontario. On Friday, October 25th, PWA Wrestling returns to Guelph at the Red Chevron Club in Guelph, Ontario. Also Friday, October 25th, Impact Wrestling October Television tapings happen in Windsor, Ontario at St. Clair College, hosted by Border City Wrestling. Superkick Pro Wrestling Rock Show and Training Center presents Zombie Wrestling Chapter 2 on October 25th at the Great Hall in Toronto. On October 26th, Border Town Pro Wrestling presents Trick or Treat at the Fort Erie Native Friendship Center in Fort Erie, Ontario. The Golden Gun Mark Wheeler defends the Adrenaline Division Championship in a Falls Count Anywhere match versus his former tag team partner, Jesse V. Tarek defends the Niagara Regional Championship against Von Vertigo. Also, the debut of the Trick or Treat match with five men who will enter, only one will walk away with a guaranteed title shot against a champion of their choosing. On October 26th, there's Halloween Wrestling Powerbomb happening at the Vaughn Sportsplex 
in Vaughan, Ontario. Saturday, October 26th, PWA Wrestling returns to Kitchener, Ontario at the Alpine Club of Kitchener. Also on October 26th, Acclaim Pro Wrestling presents its Showtime, happening at the Don Polsky Hall in Ottawa, Ontario. On October 26th, Border City Wrestling continues their support of Impact Wrestling and hosting another taping of Impact Wrestling at St. Clair College in Windsor, Ontario. Then, October 27th, Championship Wrestling from Ontario presents Monster Mash at the Rock Pile in Toronto. Smash Wrestling returns to Tilsonburg, Ontario at the Lions Auditorium in Tilsonburg, Ontario. Greektown Wrestling presents Beast Mode Halloween Party happening at the Danforth in Toronto. And the calendar wraps up for next weekend with Impact Wrestling presenting Throwback Throwdown happening at Battle Arts Academy in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information on any of these events, please check out the hosting organization's website for ticket details. Hello, do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout-out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. This is Jim Strider, live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Tonight is Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory, one of their biggest events of the year. It's coming to us from Villa Park, Illinois, at the Odium Expo Center. This card has a mix of different talent from all over the place as they come together for Bound for Glory. Eight matches have been announced, and we'll run down those matches and give a little bit of a prediction of what I think will happen during these contests. The North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, will defend their tag team titles against the teams of Rich Swan and Willie Mack, plus Rhino and Rob Van Dam in a triple threat match for the tag team titles. I think regardless of the experience of the team Rhino and Rob Van Dam have, plus the speed and size of Swan and Mack, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, the North, are going to come out of this with their titles intact and remain the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champions. There'll be a call-your-shot gauntlet match where the winner will be able to choose any championship of their choosing. Unfortunately, this gauntlet does not have a list of entrants, so I really can't make a decision on who I think is going to come out on top of this gauntlet match and what title they might go for. There's going to be an intergendered ladder match for the Impact Wrestling X Division Championship as Jake Kreese defends against Tessa Blanchard, Daga, Ace Austin, and Ace Romero. The way Impact Wrestling has been building this matchup, it's almost a guarantee that Tessa should be able to climb the ladder and claim the title for herself, being, I believe, probably the first woman to ever hold the X Division Championship. However, 
people like playing swerves and stuff like that. And maybe there's something extra for Tessa Blanchard to go forward with and not have that X Division Championship. So if I was going to pick somebody other than Tessa, I would throw in Ace Austin to be the sneaky one to climb that ladder and take the title for himself. Taya Valkyrie is set to defend the Impact Wrestling's Knockout Championship against Tennille Dashwood. Dashwood seems to be the heavy favorite, in my opinion, going into this match. And with the fact that Johnny Mundo, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact, whatever he wants to be called, has reportedly signed with WWE, how much further behind is Talia Valkyrie from joining her husband in WWE as well? So this would be an opportunity for her to drop the title and be able to move on if she is released from Impact Wrestling. And Tennille Dashwood would now be the new champion. So I'm going with Tennille either way, whether Taya stays or goes. There's going to be a six-man tag team match with the Rascals. Desmond Xavier, Trey Miguel, and Zachary Wentz taking on the three-man tag team of Dr. Wagner Jr., Aerostar, and Taurus. As I'm really not familiar with Wagner, Star, and Taurus, I'm going to go with the Impact Wrestling established stars, the Rascals, to take up the victory. Michael Elgin will go one-on-one with Marafuji. I'm going to pick Michael Elgin for this one, plus then Ken Shamrock and Moose will collide in singles action. Ken Shamrock is a former WWE and UFC champion. He was the original champion in Impact Wrestling, TNA, when it first came about. But I think the size and youth on the side of Moose will prevail over Ken Shamrock in what was probably going to be a hard-hitting match either way how it goes. And even though it's not listed as being a no-disqualification match, I can see them being lenient on the rules and not doing as hastily disqualification in this match because you know there's going to be a lot of toys and weapons used in the main event as Sammy Callahan challenges Brian Cage for the Impact Wrestling World Championship. Brian Cage is a dominant force in Impact Wrestling and how he took the title away from Johnny Impact. But, I don't know, they've been leaning a lot towards Sammy Callahan being a dominant force as well, especially with OVE. And I see Callahan picking up this title and being the new Impact Wrestling Champion, which also goes towards what I was saying earlier with maybe Tessa doesn't take the X Division Championship because she's in a feud with OVE as it is and has had a long-standing rivalry with Sammy Callahan. If he takes the title, and that still applies between Sammy and Tessa with their feud, you can see a future title shot between Tessa and Sammy Callahan. So that's Impact Wrestling presenting Bound for Glory happening tonight on pay-per-view. And remember, you can catch Impact Wrestling each and every Tuesday at 8 p.m. on the Fight Network.
Also, if you're in the Windsor area, don't miss the TV tapings next weekend at St. Clair College on Friday and Saturday night, plus a Twitch special coming to you Sunday from Battle Arts in Mississauga. This week's NWA Power episode featured an interview with Nick Aldis, NWA Tag Team title match, Allison K. Aaron Stevens, Mr. Anderson, Cole Cabana, Ricky Starks, and many more. The show once again was hosted by Joe Galley and Jim Cornette, who welcomed everybody to the show and ran down what we were going to see. Then, over on the other set, David Marquez brought out Aaron Stevens. Most people recognize him as Damian Sandow or Aaron Rex over in Impact. And he said that he'd left wrestling for about the last two years. But after hearing that the NWA was reviving itself with power, that he's back to wrestling. And basically he was doing his Damian Sandow gimmick. Uh, the original one being the intellectual. And he didn't want people to make eye contact with him. As he basically said he was an introvert and was more of a thespian. So, as I said, back to his Damian Sandow, sort of the NXT version of him. The first match saw Ricky Starks take on Trevor Murdoch, and Jim Cornette put over all the accolades of Murdoch, who he's trained by, who he reminds him of, with obviously Dick Murdoch and the whole name recognition and simile that way. It was actually kind of a quick match with Stark trying to get Murdoch off his feet. He finally did so with backslide and picked up the uh, surprise victory over the much bigger Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch and Ricky Stark ended up were at the podium. They shook hands after the match, and then Stark ended up cutting a promo, which I think did help him establish his character, as this is only the first time people have seen him really. Joe Galley brought out Colt Cabana, and he wanted to address the elephant in the room, that being James Storm. Then Cabana introduced his tag team partner, Mr. Anderson, formerly Mr. Kennedy, and they did their intro as that set up their next match with Cabana and Anderson taking on Sal Renaro and Jordan Kingsley. After Anderson had a few Lambo plunges, he also hit the mic check on Renaro and picked up the victory for his team. Throughout the night, they've also been hyping up a sit-down interview with Nick Aldous and showing his disgust at what happened earlier with the interview, and that will be at the end of the show. And then this week's ad feature, because they're doing like old-school ads, uh, featured Tony Falk and discussing waffles and gold-painted tire irons. There was an interview segment with Eddie Kingston and Homicide, and they talked about the wild cards. The NWA Women's Champion Allison Kay took on Ashley Vox in a non-title match. The ending came when Kay hit the Omari driver for the win. After the match, Allison and Vox were at the interview area, and Allison K put over Ashley Vox and said they did a good job, but wasn't good enough for that one. 
but she's happy that Fox is there and there's a future for the women's division of NWA. Kyle Davidson asked Tim Storm about his loss to Nick Aldis last week and not being able to get any more title shots. Cowboy James Storm came out with his national title and basically said that with Tim Storm out of the way, that he should be the next contender for the NWA 10 pounds of gold championship. James Storm was then interrupted by Eli Drake, who said that he wants to have the NWA championship, but he's also willing to go after the national championship that Storm holds, because if you hold that, then you're also labeled the number one contender. The next match saw Royce Isaacs and Tom Latimer taking on Homicide and A. Kingston for the NWA Tag Team titles. This was a quick back and forth match with a lot of hot tags with each other, but in the end, the Dawsons ran out and attacked both teams, and the match was thrown out after over six minutes of action. This led to the, I guess, main event uh, with the sit-down interview that Galley had with Nick Aldis. Aldis was accompanied to the interview set with his valet, Camille. Aldis put over Tim Storm and said that their match against each other for the title felt like he ran into a car, but at the same time he kind of downplayed Tim Storm's abilities. Aldis then also blamed his loss to Cody at All In due to outside interference, and that's why he added his valet, Camille, to help prevent that, and it kind of worked, as the fact is with her there, he ended up gaining the title back from Cody. But then he also got angry and started challenging Galley to point out any time that Camille had gotten into the ring and involved, which she hadn't. Galley tried to ask Camille a question, but Aldous would not allow her to speak. They wrapped up the show talking about the upcoming pay-per-view on December 14th called Into the Fire. I believe tickets are already sold out for that because it's still going to be a studio setting instead of arena setting like we see with WWE, NXT, Ring of Honor, Impact, AEW, and so forth. This venture with NWA is going to be more of a studio setting all the time until they find a way of growing. Which is okay because it's a different situation than what we normally see. And different is always good. So that was NWA Power for this week. Hey, I'm Alec Realm, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Taking a quick look at some of the news items from this past week. The typhoon in Japan ended up causing some travel issues for Zack Sabre Jr. and John Moxley. And due to that, New Japan ended up stripping John Moxley of the IWGP United States Championship. He got replaced by Lance Archer in the match that was scheduled to go against Juice Robinson. And in the end, Lance Archer won the vacant title. The main event for the January 4th Tokyo Dome Wrestle Kingdom 14 event has been announced. After everything that happened during the King of Pro Wrestling card at Sumo Hall this past Monday, it has now been confirmed that Okada and Ibushi 
will face off against each other in the main event in the Tokyo Dome on January 4th. It's still unknown what will headline the January 5th show, but there's been a lot of talk about people going after the Intercontinental title and also being double champions, so there could be some sort of larger multi-person tag and multi-person match for the title. With WD having the big press conference last Friday in Las Vegas before SmackDown, introducing two of the big matches happening at Crown Jewel, that being Strowman against Tyson Fury, and also Cain Velasquez against Brock Lesnar. They added some more matches to the Crown Jewel card, joining also the 5-on-5 Team Hogan versus Team Flair match. Those two additional matches include Cesaro taking on local talent Mansoor, who won the 50-man battle royal at Super Showdown event in Judah last June. Plus, they announced the tag team turmoil match, which will be the biggest one ever and will be battled for some sort of trophy. Now, they list nine tag teams that are going to be involved, including Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, The Revival, New Day, The O.C., The Viking Raiders, Heavy Machinery, Ryder and Hawkins, The Lucha House Party, and The B-Team. Of course, there's missing a few other tag teams that are in WWE, including The Usos and The Ascension, so I don't know what's going on with them. Apparently, while we haven't seen The Ascension for a while, but... WD doesn't also have anything available currently for the Usos or Naomi. I don't know if it has anything to do with the legal issues that they constantly get with giving DUIs, and it's somewhat of a little bit of a punishment, but currently Creative has nothing for them because they weren't even a part of the WD draft. In a little bit of an odd situation, Mike Bennett announced that he is now requesting his release from WWE. And it's kind of odd because, okay, I get his explanation of him wanting to be a father, wanting to actually earn his pay instead of wrestling once every blue moon, which unfortunately WWE hasn't given him a push that way. I get that he wants to be able to earn respect for himself, earn his money properly for his family. But at the same time, the dude just signed a extension on his contract. Him and Maria did. And, of course, Maria got pregnant. Can't help nature on that one. He's locked in this horrible story with the whole Maria being dominant and downplaying his manhood. But he also just made an attack on 205 Live just so he could end up asking for his release. This is going to be an odd situation. I doubt WD is going to give it to him, especially with before they re-signed their contract or got extensions. There was talk that they weren't happy with their roles as it was, but they still signed for the money and wanted to still stay with WD. You can't have your cake and eat it too, Mr. Mike Bennett. On the flip side, though, I think he is more talented than what WD has been giving him credit for, so I can understand his frustration in wanting to leave. 
So, like I said, it's a mixed bag question mark all over the place of who's right, who's wrong. But I don't see him getting his release. Maria made a statement of her own. She didn't really go into much detail, but she did say that she supports Mike's idea of family first. And I totally agree and get that. But you also have to look at the business side of things. And maybe just try and work and get a better role for yourself. Refuse to do what they're asking. Even if it has you sidelined for a little bit. But maybe if you show that you have some integrity, you'll get something in return. Another somewhat surprising thing happened this week where Eric Bischoff has been removed from all his duties in WWE. Now, he was supposed to be the executive vice president or director over on SmackDown. Yeah, the executive director of Friday Night SmackDown. But that obviously has not worked out. They have replaced him by Bruce Pritchard. There's a number of rumors of why this has happened, such as Eric not being too in touch with the current product and with his lifestyle not wanting to also be a part of late night meetings which Vince is notoriously known for having meetings happening at all hours of the night going to like 3 4 a.m with very little sleep Eric knew what he was getting into going into the whole thing but a lot of people did worry that he wasn't in touch with the current way of the product and fans wants and needs a lot of people also thought that eric was going to be brought in basically as an scapegoat if things didn't work well on fox yes the ratings have gone down but this is way too quick for adjustment like that there's got to be something else going on nothing concrete has been said a lot of what i just mentioned has been rumors about what eric's been like at WWE, nothing confirmed. Bruce Pritchard addressed it on the end of this week's something to wrestle with when he had a Ask Me Anything podcast this week with Conrad Thompson, and he really didn't go into much detail anyways himself because it's kind of personal. Either way, business, he still says he's great friends with Eric, and in the end of the day, Regardless of what people are writing about Eric Bischoff and being nasty, remember that he's still a person. Bruce is still a person. Everybody has feelings. And Conrad mentioned that on this week's episode of 83 Weeks, he's going to hopefully try and get a statement from Eric on what happened. But, yeah, it's just kind of odd since Eric uprooted his whole family from Wyoming to Stanford and now has to, I guess, presumably leave Stanford and find another home. So that was really quick. Bruce Pritchard's now in the position. We'll see what happens with Friday Night Smackdown going forward. Day. It's a big day, and the reason why is that Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Seaport is officially sold out, man. <laughs> Thanks to all of you who booked in the pre-sale. Thanks for all of you who booked early. And thanks to all of you who are going to be joining us for the vacation of a lifetime. Now, here's the thing. If you didn't buy your cabin, if you didn't book your cabin, and you still want to go, 
We'll put you on the waiting list. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com. If somebody has to drop out for whatever reason, you'll be the first one we call. So there's still a chance. Cross your fingers. Maybe somebody double booked themselves. Maybe somebody uh, paid with Monopoly money and we just found out about it. Either way, there's still a chance that you can make it on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager. And see, if you can't, make sure to pre-book early for the next one. But for right now, we are sold out, baby. Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager Part C. That's C Part 2. We'll see you there. Looking at what happened this week in AEW, check out AEW Dark, which happens on Tuesdays on YouTube channel at 7 o'clock. And the match you definitely want to check out is the Lights Out match, so it didn't count for anybody's record, with Kenny Omega taking on Joey Janela. It was a really good match, worth uh, going back and watching, even if you don't watch any of the other matches on AEW Dark for this past week. This then takes us to AEW Dynamite on Wednesday nights on TNT or TSN 2 or 3, depending on the week, here in Canada. This week, AEW came to us from Philadelphia, and Tony Giovanni, Excalibur, and Jim Ross were the broadcast team, as usual, for the evening's event. They ran down what the card was going to be, including the matches for the tag team title tournament. And that's where the show started with a tag team tournament match with SCU taking on Best Friends. SCU came down to the ring, but they were attacked by Pentagon and Phoenix. Christopher Daniels was taken out after a package pile driver on the stage. Scorpio Sky, who was not supposed to be in the match, came to the aid of his partners and... Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Christopher Daniels had to be taken out on a stretcher, and Scorpio Sky, who was still in his street clothes, quickly grabbed some medical tape to tape up his wrist, insisted he would be a part of the match to team with Frankie Gazarian to take on the best friends. At one point, Scorpio Sky was only wrestling with one shoe on, Fans made note of the chanting, he's got one shoe, then he lost that. They started chanting, he has no shoes. And the offense that they presented was too much for best friends. And SCU picked up the win with a powerbomb leg drop combo. And they will face off against the Dark Order next week. The next match was Santana and Ortiz, who are members of Chris Jericho's inner circle, taking on... John Silver and Alex Reynolds in a typical squash match. Santana Ortiz ran roughshod over Silver and Reynolds and quickly hit the sweet street sweeper, which is a flipping neckbreaker and powerbomb combination, to win the match decisively. As Santana and Ortiz were heading up the ramp to the top of the stage, Chris Jericho got on the big screen and cut a promo for Santana and Ortiz even issuing a challenge for the Young Bucks to face off against them at November 9th Full Gear. Then, speaking of Full Gear, we got a video highlighting the training and mindset of Cody Rhodes as he's going into his match against Chris Jericho for the AEW Championship. So it was more of like a Road 2 being the elite 
style video giving some background to their story. Up next was Dr. Britt Baker challenging Rio for the Women's Championship. This match was pretty decent. They went back and forth uh, between each other. The ending came when Baker hit a ripcord clothesline elbow on Rio and attempted to hit the lockjaw, which is they're now calling her mandible claw submission type uh, finisher. And they did really good camera work on this one, I will admit, as she was trying to apply the lockjaw. They zoomed in on the hand and Rio's face, and you could see Rio was clamping her jaw shut to not allow the fingers of Britt Baker to get into her, as Britt was focused on doing that and struggling to get her fingers into Rio's mouth. Rio was able to quickly reverse and score a roll-up victory over Britt Baker to retain the women's championship. The women then gave each other respect by shaking hands. We didn't see a attack or anything by B. Priestley at all, and so this was a straight-up one-on-one match contest between them, given that sports feel still. The final first-round matchup in the AEW World Tag Team Title Tournament saw Jurassic Express, which was now Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt, since Luchasaurus is out for at least four to six months with a hamstring injury, taking on the team of the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon and Phoenix. Marco Stunt put up a good fight. They against the two larger men, but in the end it wasn't enough and they hit a package power driver on Jurassic Express and the Lucha Brothers are advancing to the next round of the tag team tournament to take on Private Party. Keeping up with the theme of this being a night of tag team action, John Moxley and the Bastard Pac teamed up against Hangman Page and Kenny Omega all four men went at each other. At one point, Omega and Moxley reached under the ring to get weapons. Both had their barbed wire wrapped weapons of choice. Moxley with the baseball bat and Omega with a broom. And as they were about to hit each other, Pac got in there, took both weapons away, stood face to face with Moxley, who then flipped him off and walked away. This left Pac vulnerable to both Omega and Page, and Page picked up the victory for his team, giving Pac his first loss via pinfall. It was then later announced that Pac would go one-on-one -on -one against John Moxley next week on Dynamite. The main event saw Darby Allen take on Chris Jericho for the AEW World Championship, Allen put up quite the fight for himself, considering he's out-experienced by Chris Jericho. Chris has slowed down a slight bit, but it kind of works with his heel persona, not having to do all the high-flying speed wrestling that you'd normally see from a face. At one point, Jericho ended up tying Allen's arms behind his back, but Allen was still able to do some 
dives through the ropes almost like a Orange Cassidy, how he's able to continue doing moves with his hands in his pocket. Darby Allen was able to do that himself. Chris Jericho used Darby Allen's own skateboard against him. At one point, Allen was about to go for the coffin drop from the top rope and got pushed off by Jake Hager, who then, due to the distraction, allowed Chris Jericho to pick up the victory over Darby Allen and retain the AEW World Championship. The rest of the members of the inner circle came out to celebrate with a little bit of the bubbly as AEW went off the air. So some of the important things that came out of this week's episode is that we have the semifinals for the tag team titles decided and that will happen next week with the Dark Order taking on SCU the Lucha Brothers taking on Private Party, John Moxley taking on Pac, plus a few other things that will happen next week leading up towards Full Gear. And at Full Gear, we know that we're going to have John Moxley against Kenny Omega, and we'll also have Chris Jericho defending the AEW World Championship against Cody. If you tune into this week's edition of AEW Dark happening on Tuesday at 7 o'clock, you will have a guest commentary from Taz as they were in the Philadelphia area doing that recording and Taz is synonymous with Philadelphia and AEW or ECW, shall I say, and he'll be the guest commentary on AEW Dark this week. diverse city that is Maryland's largest city and economic hub. Known for its beautiful harbor, distinct neighborhoods, unique museums, and delicious crab cakes. Baltimore has been the setting for such iconic moments in wrestling. Superstar Billy Graham defeating Bruno Sammartino for the WWWF title. The second annual Crockett Cup came to Baltimore. Ron Simmons became the first African-American world champion. And in 1990, at the Great American Bash, a WCW signature event that made its home in Baltimore, the man called Sting would don the red, white, and blue to take on the champion, Ric Flair, in what would go on to be his first of numerous world title victories. And this November, Sting returns to Baltimore. And for the first time in decades, will return to the red, white, and blue. The jacket. The face paint. The actual world title he won in Baltimore back in 1990. We've got it. A photo opportunity like no other and only available at StarCast 4. Visit StarCast.com for more information. I'm Joshua Pine, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Last Friday, when I launched the podcast, I did it ahead of the draft because I wanted to be able to cover draft night one and two together. However, we've also now had two episodes of SmackDown since the last podcast, along with Raw and NXT. So I'm going to run down some of the results of those shows right now, and then follow up with the actual draft 
and my thoughts on the draft. Friday Night Smackdown last week on October 11th started with Seth Rollins defeating Roman Reigns by disqualification to earn the first draft pick for the Raw roster after the Fiend Bray Wyatt shockingly emerged from under the ring and took out Seth. Friday Night Smackdown would see Stephanie McMahon come out and make all the different announcements of the draft uh, picks. Raw would get three draft picks for every two draft picks that SmackDown had. We saw footage from uh, different war rooms of SmackDown and Raw with Fox and USA representatives. We saw those throughout the night. And then we also followed that up with the next match being King Corbin defeating Shorty Gable. WWE Champion Brock Lesnar was interrupted by Cain Velasquez and Rey Mysterio. The New Day defeated the OC. Bailey defeated Charlotte to win the SmackDown Women's title. Bailey had actually come out wearing a hood, and the Bailey buddies went up and were flopping around, and she took off the hood and revealed that her hair was cut short. She got an axe and literally murdered all the Bailey buddies, and then you could tell she was coming out with a new attitude, and this new attitude actually helped her win back the women's championship on SmackDown over Charlotte Flair. Over on Raw, they continued the draft from Friday night with the same rules, three to two. Stephanie McMahon doing the announcements and repeats of the war rooms from Friday. They had been announcing all week that Sasha Banks was going to go against Becky Lynch to open up Monday Night Raw with a draft pick on the line. I guess Sasha is still injured from her match against Becky at Hell in a Cell, and so she was not cleared to wrestle, and Charlotte took her place. Charlotte had numerous opportunities to pin Becky, and Becky continued to kick out. Charlotte got a little frustrated, started laughing in that frustration, and got surprised from behind with a crucifix roll-up by Becky Lynch to give Raw the first draft choices. Andrade defeated Ali in a one-on-one matchup. The Viking Raiders defeated Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode to become the new Raw Tag Team Champions. Alisha Black defeated Eric Young. Ricochet defeated Shelton Benjamin. Braun Strowman and Tyson Fury signed their contract to face off against each other at Crown Jewel. Jerry the King Lawler was the moderator for it. Braun had broke the table at the end as they were facing off against each other, and Fury had difficulty breaking a pen, but was laughing about it the whole time, so it was kind of an odd way of ending that whole thing but they signed their contract. Buddy Murphy defeated Cedric Alexander. The WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, the Kabuki Warriors, defeated the team of Natalia with her mystery partner, Lacey Evans. And earlier in the night, Seth Rollins had said that he was going to find the Firefly Funhouse and burn it down. Well, the show ended with a Firefly Funhouse segment and sure enough 
Rambling Rabbit warned Bray that Seth was coming. Bray wasn't sure what to expect. Seth showed up, started trashing the funhouse. Bray kind of looked fearful and wondered why Seth was doing this to him. Seth knocked him down and then proceeded to literally burn the Firefly Funhouse down. And that's how Raw ended this past week. Taking a look at the results from this past Wednesday's NXT on the USA Network, Tommaso Ciampa returned to the ring for the first time since his surgery and sent a clear message to NXT champion Adam Cole when he defeated Angel Garza. Cole and the rest of the Undisputed Era came out to confront Tommaso Ciampa, who quickly got himself a chair and a crutch to defend himself with. But instead of attacking the ring, Kyle O'Reilly handed a USB stick to Mauro Ranala. Later on, the stick was uploaded and they saw that the Undisputed Era had viciously attacked Velveteen Dream backstage and he was set to challenge Roderick Strong for the NXT North American title. So they're really knowing what Ciampa wants. But they want to also send a message back to Ciampa that they're willing to work as a pack to take out any threat that comes towards them. Imperium defeated only Lurkin and Danny Birch. Io Shirai defeated Caden Carter and then was confronted by Rhea Ripley. But also Bianca Belair wants to be in the title picture as well. So there's three women trying to go after Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, and Bianca Belair. The match between Keith Lee and Dominic Dajakovic was supposed to be a rubber match between the two who have already got a victory over each other. With the injury to Velveteen Dream, William Regal declared that this would be now a number one contenders match for the North American title, and when the winner would face off against Roderick Strong, next week on NXT. Well, Strong was out there, interrupted the match, and it was thrown out as a no contest. That, though, didn't stop William Regal from making it a triple threat match next week with Lee, Dijakovic, and Strong battling for the North American Championship. Matt Riddle defeated Bronson Reed. Tegan Knox continued her comeback from injury by defeating Tanera Conti. Killian Dane defeated Boa, and Damian Priest picked up a victory, hitting the reckoning over Pete Dunne. Looking at this week's Friday Night SmackDown, Shinsuke Nakamura and Roman Reigns opened the event for the Intercontinental title. Unfortunately, didn't get a result as Baron Corbin interfered and Dana Bryan came down to ringside to make the save. Chad Gable is now embracing the Shorty Gable concept and now shortened it even further to Shorty G. He took on Curtis Axel and defeated him even with Bo Dallas at ringside. The New Day and Heavy Machinery teamed together to defeat The Revival, Dolph Ziggler, and Robert Roode. Miz TV had Sasha Banks and the new SmackDown Women's Champion, Bailey, as part of his guests. The Miz grilled 
Bailey to find out why she did the turn that she did, why the new style, why she destroyed the Bailey buddies, and why just the new attitude and everything. And her response was that she kept on giving to the fans and giving to the parents and being a role model and just constantly giving and everybody just kept on taking but never giving her anything back in return. She ended her speech by saying, life sucks and then you die. Which clearly came from Vince McMahon because I remember him saying that years ago myself. The segment ended with Nikki Cross and Dana Brooke came out to confront Bailey and they were going to get ready also though for their six-pack challenge to become the number one contender for Bailey and her title. That six-pack challenge included Carmella, Nikki Cross, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, Mindy Rose, and Sonya Deville. The ending saw Nikki Cross pick up the victory over Mandy Rose to become the number one contender for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Drew Gulak was going against Braun Strowman. He even suggested that Strowman could not beat Tyson Fury at Crown Jewel, which unfortunately was the wrong thing to say to Strowman, who quickly hit a power slam on Gulak to pick up the victory. After the melee that happened at the beginning of the show, with Baron Corbin interfering in the Nakamura Reigns match, it was obviously made into a tag team match, and the main event saw Dan O'Brien and Roman Reigns defeat the team of Nakamura and Corbin. Also during the night, we found out that since Seth Rollins is going to be going against Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship in a Falls Count Anywhere match that cannot be stopped by any reason at Crown Jewel, that Seth Rollins will now not be a part of Team Hulk Hogan. Hogan announced who his other team members would be and his new team captain. So representing Team Hogan will be the new captain, Roman Reigns, along with Rusev, Ricochet, Ali, and Shorty G. They're going to take on the combination headed representing Ric Flair, headed by Randy Orton, Shinsuke Nakamura, Bobby Lashley, and King Corbin, with Ric Flair making his announcement this Monday of who's filling out the rest of his team for Crown Jewel. The Signature Spot with Chris Toplack is a weekly podcast available every Thursday that covers the world of professional wrestling. It's an easy-to-digest show that ranges from 30 to 40 minutes in length and focuses on show recaps, highlights from the week, industry news and rumors, full event previews along with predictions, topics of the week, and featured guests such as journalists and fellow podcasters. It's a professional yet personable show that's all about connecting with you. To subscribe, head over to youtube.com forward slash the signature spot or listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available. And to be a part of the conversation, like the signature spot on Facebook. I'm Kyle Boone, one handsome SOB, and you're listening to the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Looking at the WDE draft from this year, a lot of people are not too thrilled with how things went. Uh, really wasn't uh, entertaining on TV. The war rooms were very hokey. Uh, the different comments from the different TV representatives was fine and good, but I don't think many of them knew what they were talking about. They were just 
reading something. The robot that Fox had was, yeah, very hokey. Save that for the football, I think. I know they want to have a sports theme thing, but yeah, it is what it is. I'm not sure if I agreed with Stephanie McMahon being out there to read everything. They could have had two representatives from Fox and USA actually do it and come to the podium and go back and forth to separate podiums, however it is. Some of the picks were kind of odd with the order that people went in, where certain people were worth, it appeared more than others. And then there was a trade that was also done for nothing. So, yeah, a little bit confusing. And if you watched Friday night, October 11th, on round one, you could actually have followed along with the press release that WWE did when they said what the rules were and what pool of talent could be picked from on night number one. It actually went down in that exact order until around the end where they realized their mistake and kind of changed things up a slight bit, but it really wasn't unnoticeable. So without further ado, I'm going to just look at where the trades went and what the final rosters are for Raw and SmackDown. Not many people switch brands, actually, which I guess is okay. You only need a few people to switch brands to hopefully try and shake things up compared to what they were for the last couple months. And so Friday Night SmackDown, with Seth Rollins defeating Roman Reigns, gave Raw the first picks. Round one saw Raw pick Becky Lynch. Good idea. Wasn't Seth Rollins, who's also their champion, but they did pick up a champion. SmackDown picked up Roman Reigns. Oddly enough, not Brock Lesnar or even the women's champion at that time, but it is what it is. Raw picked up the OC. SmackDown picked The Fiend Bray Wyatt, which was kind of shocking to me because Fox wants to have more sports-oriented uh, type wrestlers, I would assume. And Bray Wyatt is anything but that. He is more the entertainment side, which I think should have stayed on Raw. And Rob finally picked, in round one, Drew McIntyre. Then in round two, moving from SmackDown, Raw picked Randy Orton. SmackDown picked Sasha Banks. So she moved from Raw to SmackDown. Raw picked Ricochet. SmackDown took Braun Strowman away from Raw. And Raw remains with Bobby Lashley. Round three on Friday night, SmackDown had Alexa Bliss going to Raw, which, oddly enough, split her at the time being from Nikki Cross, even though all the other tag teams were kept together. But when they were listed, they were listed as Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. So this is where they, I think, started realizing their oops were following this way too closely, but they already had things in order, so they had to figure things out. SmackDown took Lacey Evans from Raw and brought her over to SmackDown. In a really odd move, which I hope they rectify soon, Raw took Kevin Owens from SmackDown. Meanwhile, SmackDown was saved by Kevin Owens, with Kevin ridding it of Shane McMahon, only to be drafted to the other side. They apparently asked him his thoughts on it, 
and he isn't too happy about it. They didn't even post his comments until later on, I think, on the Tuesday show that Renee Young and Booker T did on FS1. Also in round three, SmackDown kept the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, The Revival, and Raw kept Natalia. Over in round four, on Friday Night SmackDown, the Viking Raiders were drafted by Raw. SmackDown took the Lucha House Party. Raw then kept Nikki Cross. So that whole Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss deal just kind of wasted a draft pick from Raw. SmackDown picked Heavy Machinery. And Raw picked up from NXT the Street Profits. Though, of course, the Street Profits have been on Raw for the past while as hosts. Now they're actually officially on the Raw roster. It was assumed that anybody who was not drafted from the first night's pool would all of a sudden become free agents and be able to pick where they go or try and get signed by whatever brand. However, there was additional draft picks announced later on. So going to Raw was EC3, Eric Young, and Sin Cara. Going to SmackDown is Apollo Crews, Drew Gulak, Heath Slater, Tamina, and the B-Team. This then brought us to Monday with the second night of the draft. As a result of Becky Lynch winning the Magic over Charlotte, Raw got the first pick again. Shocking, considering they have a 3-2 advantage. Anyways, it started off with Seth Rollins being announced as the number one draft pick on Monday night, keeping the Universal title on Monday night, and also with his fiancée, Becky Lynch. SmackDown picked Brock Lesnar, the WWE champion. Raw then took Charlotte Flair, even though she had just represented SmackDown in that match. She's now over on Raw. SmackDown picked The New Day, all three members, and Raw picked Andrade with Zelina Vega. Round two began with Raw picking up the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kari Zane. They are currently the women's tag team champions, which means they are allowed to go back and forth between Raw and SmackDown to defend those titles. However, if they should happen to drop those belts at any time, they will still be property of Raw only. Dana Bryan was chosen by SmackDown, Rusev by Raw, Bailey, the SmackDown Women's Champion, was retained by SmackDown, and Aleister Black by Monday Night Raw. So far, if you've noticed with the picks, WWE is trying to keep the couples together as much as possible because we have Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins together, Charlotte and Andrade, Zelina Vega and Aleister Black, plus Aleister Black is a guy that Paul Heyman really wants to work with. So far, all those plans are keeping intact. Round 3 continued with another guy that Paul Heyman has interest in, with Cedric Alexander remaining on Raw. SmackDown has the Intercontinental Champion Shinsuke Nakamura. Raw picked up. 205 Live Star, Amberto Carrillo. SmackDown has Ali, and 
Raw picked up Eric Rowan. Round 4 saw another Paul Heyman guy, Buddy Murphy, stay on Raw. SmackDown picked up the former Raw Tag Team Champions, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, after they just dropped the titles to the Viking Raiders in the segment earlier. Raw picked up former WWE Champion Jinder Mahal. SmackDown has Carmilla, who obviously, since Corey Graves is the commentator over on there, was sent over to SmackDown. But that separated her from R-Truth, the 24-7 champion, as he was picked up by Monday Night Raw. Round 5 had the injured Samoa Joe picked up by Raw. SmackDown chose The Miz. Raw picked up Akira Tozawa from 205 Live. SmackDown chose King Corbin. Raw has Shelton Benjamin. Round 6, in a very late and odd position for him, Raw picked up Rey Mysterio. SmackDown chose Shorty G, Chad Gable. Raw chose Titus O'Neil. SmackDown chose Elias. And rounding out the last pick of the evening, Raw drafted Liv Morgan. They teased a huge trade about to happen, and deals had to be negotiated, and they had until midnight on Tuesday to make things happen. Of course, they were going to also make an announcement about a potential trade, and did during the test episode of WD Backstage that happened after the Houston Astros game on FS1 with Renee Young, Paige, Christian, and Booker T. The announcement came, which was really odd, that Raw's two picks of Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross were traded to SmackDown for future considerations. I don't know what that means, but they just wasted two picks and got nothing in return. Then Wednesday on WD's The Bump, over on the WD Network, they announced the final trades and signings by Raw and SmackDown. SmackDown chose Luke Harper, Cesaro, Drake Maverick, Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose, and Dana Brooke. Over on Raw, they got No Way Jose, Mojo Raleigh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, the Iconics, and Sarah Logan. So, all in all, the whole draft, some of the trades look okay, some are questionable, we kept the couples together as I noted, don't need to flip every roster member. I'm not getting the whole Bray Wyatt and Kevin Owens positions where they are. They should be on opposite brands. Hopefully they'll be actually negotiated or however they want to write it, but switched over to the appropriate side where Bray Wyatt goes over to Raw, and he's expected on Raw this week. And the savior of Friday Night SmackDown Kevin Owens goes back to Friday nights. With Paul Heyman in charge of Raw and now Bruce Pritchard in charge of Friday Night SmackDown, it'll be interesting to see where the direction goes with these trades and the current champions as we go towards Crown Jewel on Thursday, October 31st in the afternoon for us in North America, coming to us from Saudi Arabia. 
Feel free to share your thoughts on the draft and the roster changes on our Facebook page, the Scumbags Wrestling and Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Hello, do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. Hi, I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. We'll be back next week with results from Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory, looking ahead to Crown Jewel, and we'll also be ready for Smash Wrestling's return to Tilsonburg next weekend. If you want to join us, be sure to send me a message on our Facebook page and talk to me directly to get your ticket and join us in the Scumbags Wrestling section. You can also join us next month in St. Thomas as they return for a TV taping there. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share, whether you're listening to us on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, or any of the other podcast locations that we're available in. Share this with your friends who also love wrestling, and be sure to join me each and every Friday. It's a Factory Friday, the production line on our YouTube channel and Facebook page, where I go to the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory and bring you all the action as the students of today reach for the future of tomorrow and become the stars that we look up to in the future. That's the production line each and every Friday on Facebook and YouTube. Until the next time, have a great week, and we'll see you next time.